Hey, I am Kristen LaFrance, and welcome back to Recharge's Hit Subscribe Recap on Friday with KLF. I'm so excited to be here. Again, so excited to be back on the mic. Thank you so much for all the kind words about episode one. Please be sure to reach out to me if you have any feedback or if you have anything you want me to cover or if you have any bad dad jokes you want to tell me about or if you have cute puppy pictures that you want to send me. I'm here for it. So this week is going to be a really exciting episode. We've got a really big, hot topic. There hasn't been a lot of, you know, breaking news headlines in in the e-commerce space in the last week. So we're looking at, you know, a little more general trends, thoughts, things that we're seeing in the industry, in the market, things that the community is talking about and diving a little bit deeper. So the first one we're going to talk about today is going to be brand collabs and how hot they are. I've even brought in an expert to help answer a couple of questions and really provide some more context. Other than that, we're going to talk a little bit about sustainability and how powerful Gen Z actually is in leading the charge for deep change in commerce around this. We'll do a couple quick hitters on lots of different things that companies are doing to actually enact sustainable missions. And then lastly, we're going to have some fun news. We're going to have some milk conversations, something in our industry had a birthday, and there's something that has to do with my favorite style of music. So stay tuned. It's going to get fun. Welcome back. All right, guys, our first story of the day and our biggest one, brand collabs are a bop. I'm just trying to be young over here and stay cool and hip. But for real, brand collaborations are so hot right now in the industry These have always been an exciting and fun way for brands to open up to new audiences, connect with a different shopper, share valuable digital shelf space with like-minded brands, yada, yada. But recently, and I think we can all feel this, dare I call it this tactic? I don't even know if it's a tactic. I think it's something much bigger. But this focus on collaborations has really amped up in the last few months. Just this month, even just in the past like seven days, we've seen a number of brand partnerships come out. Everything from your newer, hot D2C brands like Fishwife to massive brands like Igloo, Lululemon, Super Mario, Ford, even American Eagle getting into these collaborations. And they're getting only more complex, more strategical, more exciting, cooler, and more of a bop. Did I do it? Maybe. Anyways, I wanted to dig a little deeper into this because I feel like I was just reading announcement after announcement after announcement of these partnerships. So I wanted to figure out why it's such a popular quote unquote trend, how it's changing, and then also highlight a few of the new partnerships we've seen in the last week or so. But to do that, I thought I'd bring in someone who is actually really keeping their ear to the ground on this exact topic. You are about to hear a clip from my conversation with Andrew Cooper. Andrew is the creator of And Introducing, a platform fully focused on keeping people up to date with what's going on in the collaboration space. I absolutely love the focus of his content and newsletter and how completely laser honed in he is on this part of the industry. Don't worry, we'll be sure to link to his newsletter and his website in the show notes. 12 out of 10 would recommend subscribing. Okay. Here's Andrew on the state of collaborations. So in terms of kind of where collaborations are 
at the moment. My philosophy is that two brands are better than one. From a marketing side, I see a successful collaboration is the best way to drive viral press, get UGC, and get word of mouth while also fueling long-term brand love. There's not a ton of marketing channels that allow you to do all three of those things. And a lot of what I see across traditional marketing campaigns is fueling more short-term growth, short-term sales, but isn't thinking of the brand as a whole. So that's why I think, you know, in the, in the past few years, you've seen collaborations as something that really excites customers because it's creating something new that a single brand couldn't do on their own. Brands can have a little bit of tunnel vision. They can get in, in similar patterns around what they're providing to their consumers, how they're messaging to them. And a collaboration really lets you team up with a brand that's operating on their own kind of ecosystem, but you now can combine to create something completely new for both audiences. And I think that's why it has the potential to be something that isn't a short-term marketing play. And so even though collaborations were something that were born out of kind of the streetwear hype scene, trying to get new excitement for drops, you do see this trend towards creating more long-lasting, more long-term collaborations that are integrated with the business and aren't just kind of a vanity for sales. Guys, you see why I asked Andrew to speak on this topic to help us get a little more depth? I really think he hits the nail on the head here. And he also does something very important that I want to highlight. He turns the perspective of this conversation back to the most important person in the equation. And that is the end customer. Look, a lot of us who are inundated in the D2C industry, in the retail industry, in commerce in general, we kind of shop and experience commerce in a different way. But for the regular, you know, muggle consumer, if you may, commerce is very monotonous and boring, especially online. So collaborations seem to be a very unique way. We've seen brands drive new excitement for their audience and their consumers. Now, this morning, my husband and I were trying to get the cobwebs out of my brain before coming on the mic. So we were talking about some of the brand collaborations we've seen. P.S. Nothing more insightful than having a D2C conversation with someone who is completely outside of the industry. My husband is an aerospace engineer for the Missile Defense Agency, works for the government, probably doesn't know what AOV or LTV are, just smiles and nods when I talk about it. But his insights always really change how I think about commerce and e-commerce. So we were talking about a couple of different specific ones that we had seen, some unique angles. And then we got into why. Why do these brands do this? And ultimately, what's the the success metric or the objective or the outcome that seems to be coming from these collaborations. And a lot of times I think we we boil it down to like, oh, it's, it's one or two things. I'm going to give you a list. Know that this list is not completely covering all the ways that collabs and partnerships can help a brand. But I think these are really interesting thoughts that we kind of came up with. So for example, collaborations can do something very powerful and opening up a brand to a new audience that wasn't previously shopping with them. Personal example from our house. Both my husband and I love Formula One. My love for it came from being forced since 2012, maybe, to be watching Formula One. 
So welcome to the party, new Formula One fans. Formula One and PacSun did a partnership. I have not shopped at PacSun since I was maybe in middle school or high school when we would hang out at the mall and I'd randomly find a graphic tee. I think their stuff is maybe too small for me now. But they did a partnership together, F1 and PacSun. And both of us bought something from that collection. So if you think about that from the PacSun perspective, it brought an entire new consumer to their website to shop with them. And going even further into that, it might have opened up a question of, I might be wrong. PacSun is probably not the same PacSun I remember from high school. So maybe because this brought me into their ecosystem, I might look at other stuff they're selling as well. Another objective or outcome we've seen from these is creating products with sentimental value without a brand having to full roll out a new brand narrative. Here's a good example. Igloo partnered with the Parks Project and created these amazing coolers that are branded in the Parks Project branding, imagery, and you get all the values because Parks Project is in it. So you know that the charitable things that you're interested in that Parks Project works on, the money going back to national forests, to trails, to keeping and preserving our national parks, you know that's part of it. But what this does for Igloo is allows Igloo to stay in their lane and stay focused on what they are extraordinarily good at in product, but still say, we support this mission without having to completely top to bottom, put in campaigns, write the content, write pages, make their own designs. It's a marrying of value and product. Okay, another one is that these collaborations can create more brand loyalty by allowing a single brand to offer unique merchandising and new products via brand partnerships, which means they don't have to always be creating and innovating on the product side. They're leveraging people in the similar ecosystem to really bring in those new products, to bring in new value, to create more loyalty within their existing customers. Another way that these collaborations are really working is by creating more loyalty for a single brand by offering unique merchandising and new products via partnerships. So really, you're tying multiple brands that a set of consumers already love together to give the consumer this holistic life experience. Starface and Hello Kitty are a great example of this. American Eagle and Elf, great example of this. Ford, Sydney Sweeney and Dickies, great example of this. We will get into these in a little bit. Essentially, if I am a customer of one of these brands and I believe in what they do, therefore I might want to give them more of my money instead of them having to come up with new merchandising, new products, new designs, they're working with a partner company to do that and really starting to understand the full lifestyle of their consumers. So you have acne and you like Hello Kitty. I now know twice as much, if not 10 times as much about you than I did before we had Hello Kitty stickers that you bought 10 of. Lastly, on these kind of objectives, outcomes that we're seeing from collaborations, finished goods brands partnering with more CPG brands to make consumers more successful at using their 
product. It lowers the barrier to entry for finished goods. So we've seen Canopy do this. Humidifier company has done this where they've partnered with Curie to come up with a nice smell. So maybe you both have the Canopy humidifier and you use Curie Bod and you've got that scent now in your humidifier, really making the barrier to entry of using these finished good products easier by allowing another product to come in and really be leveled up as the trusted partner of the finished goods brand. But with all that being said, Andrew brings up another side of the conversation, one that I honestly hadn't thought too much about. And it's the long-term possibilities brands are now opening up with these partnerships and collaborations. Back over to Andrew. You know, I recently read an article by the New York Times that was titled, if it's advertised online, you probably shouldn't buy it. And that just reinforces my my thesis, where in this recent study, it's shown that, you know, products shown in targeted ads are roughly 10% more expensive than what users could find by searching online. And they're also twice as likely to be sold from lower quality vendors. So people are not going to trust these advertisements. They're very wary of digital advertising and they want real value. So that's where collaborations can really take, you know, take some share away from other marketing dollars. And I would expect in the upcoming months and years for for brands to be putting more money towards long-term brand collaborations and brand building initiatives and less money on on short-term paid media, which is getting diluted with a lot of brands that don't have the most credibility. So that's kind of my thesis is that collaborations are the most effective form of marketing because it involves real audiences that are already established. It, it means we're creating real value for customers, either in the form of new products, new digital experiences, new content. Yes, Andrew. Thank you so much, Andrew, for helping us dive a little bit more into the the bigger context and the reason and the things and the trends that are happening in this collaboration-heavy world we're living in right now. And speaking of collaborations, I figured we might as well quickly run through a few of the new and noteworthy ones that we've seen in the last week, because this is a weekly recap, right? So Truff and Super Mario Brothers, really taking the mushroom through line. Yeah, mushrooms, Truff, Super Mario, mushrooms. They're taking that through line and running with it. Such a creative through line to pick and to use, and to really capitalize on. I love it. Lodge and skillet cornbread. As my husband put it, and I will quote, I am much more likely to use the lodge cast iron we have at camp if I don't have to also think of a recipe, find and pack ingredients, and hope whoever wrote the 18-page article about how much they love camping before getting to the actual freaking recipe actually knows how to cook a.k.a. lower barrier to entry. We have a lodge cast iron skillet was gifted to us on our wedding day. And this partnership takes away the one barrier of actually activating a lodge customer, which is using the lodge cast iron skillet. And that is, I don't know what to cook. I don't know how to cook it. I don't feel like looking at Pinterest. I don't feel like reading a bunch of blogs. I don't feel like pressing a skip jump to recipe button 18 times and it never working. I love this partnership. Boom. Starface and Hello Kitty 
came out with their second round of these Hello Kitty acne stickers. This is really driving the core messaging philosophy of Starface, which is don't hide from your pimples, cover them up, be proud. And also now it's adding, instead of covering up with a sticker, cover it up with something you love, tell the world more about your favorite things. This is, as I mentioned, a recurring collaboration that they sell out super fast. So definitely want to check out Lululemon and Mad Happy. This one just makes sense, right? Lululemon's products, the quality is so good for athleisure, but they don't have super high branded clothing often. Usually there's just the one little Lulu logo somewhere. It makes sense that these two pair together, right? Lululemon having the actual product quality super, super high, a step above Mad Happy's product quality and having Mad Happy's, you know, support around mental health, their mission, their statements, why they exist in the world, put those two together and you have empowered two amazing things to get even better. American Eagle and Elf have come together. I think this one really shows that these brands really understand who their user is and who they're going after. So they created a line of makeup designed to match the hues of American Eagle's denim. Very exciting Gen Z focused collaboration. I'm not going to lie. When I see American Eagle, I was shopping at American Eagle when I was a teenager as well. So it's almost funny that our Gen Z is making all of these companies that we thought were going to die. They're making them cool again. Hollister died though, right? Is Hollister still around? I could recognize that the Hollister smell anywhere, any day, immediately. All right. The last one I want to talk about is actually my favorite of all the partnerships that have happened recently. Ford, Sydney Sweeney, and Dickies. Three-way brand collaborations. Very interesting. I'm sure we'll have Andrew on to talk more about this. But TLDR of this, Sydney Sweeney of Euphoria has been very public about sharing her process, restoring an original Ford Bronco on social media. She's a badass. How cool. This clearly begins to open up an entirely new storyline and consumer for a brand like Ford, who has, if I am not wrong, probably just about never spoken directly to women. And what an interesting way to get in it. So yeah, it's exciting to see a workwear brand like Dickies, an established auto brand like Ford, come together with a female influencer. I think it shows there's a lot of potential for collaborations, for finding new audiences, for driving loyalty, no matter how large or small your brand is. Look, brand collaborations, if I had to put it one way, it's like ordering a pizza for a group of people. The right toppings with the perfect crust can make it the most memorable pizza ever and the one that you will keep going back to. But the wrong ingredient can ruin the entire experience and restaurant for someone. So before you put pineapple on your branded pizza party, you better make sure your audience believes in it. All right, our next topic is going to be a topic that is not new. And it's something that in the industry and in the world as a whole, we've been talking about for a long time and will continue to talk about. And that is sustainability and particularly commerce's role in sustainability and commerce's 
ability to innovate and move the rest of the world forward with sustainability. The first story I want to talk about might feel like a little bit of like an appetizer to this this whole sustainable topic, but it kind of comes into how Gen Z has really stepped up and led the charge for deep value-based change, especially with brands. So we've been talking about sustainability for a very, very long time. Ultimately, we all knew we really needed to be doing something. Thank goodness for our young Gen Z, incredibly motivated and passionate people who have really demanded from brands that they have to step up or they are not getting their dollars. So first article, and I love this title, it is titled, Why is Gen Z Always Talking About Target? By the way, every article that I mention in here is linked in our show notes, so definitely make sure to check those out so you can go read all of this, digest it in your own way. This article goes into basically, why does Gen Z love Target so much? Just a couple things I want to highlight because I think it's important and ties to some other things we've talked about today. Target comes in at number seven for the top 100 retailers in U.S. sales for 2022 with 104.62 billion with a B in revenue. Here's another stat that kind of shows you Target is high on a list for Gen Z. It just sometimes they act a little bit different than, you know, top 100 retailers U.S. report might be thinking. When compared alongside YouTube and Walmart, Target is the leading follower count race by over a million on TikTok. That means that Gen Z is following Target on TikTok. They're engaging with their content. That probably means they're shopping there, or at least they're engaging with a brand. And when they have to go buy something, I bet you most of them are going to be defaulting to Target. It's really, really interesting because YouTube and Walmart have done really well with Gen Z. So to see this direct comparison of YouTube and Walmart and Target and TikTok, Target is winning the follower count. Very interesting. I'm going to leave that there for you. There is a quote in this article by Nadia Okamoto, co-founder and CEO of August, which is an inclusive and sustainable period care company who launched the business on TikTok, ultimately ended up in Target. Her quote says, quote, Target has done a really great job of standing by a lot of Gen Z values. They've been out there wanting to push more sustainability initiatives, and they've been vocal about issues around gender, inclusivity, and queer rights. Very interesting quote there, and I think that there's a lot of depth to this conversation that we could go into. We'll go deeper into a Gen Z conversation later in this season, I promise, which is very interesting of what is making Gen Z talk about Target isn't merchandising. It's not the store layout. It's not the accidentally buying way too many things, even though that's definitely part of the conversation. It's actually the values that they are really writing on. The last quote from this article that I want to read because it really sums it up is, the defining factor between the retailer and Gen Z is trust, an attribute that is hard to capture with the least brand loyal demographic. That is powerful, right? So for Gen Z, trust is the most important thing of where they shop with. 
And they are also the least brand loyal demographic, meaning you break your trust, they're done. Going to continue on this quote. While Gen Z is known to be the least loyal in retail, they will show their loyalties more so to a retailer that delivers their needs consistently and captures their trust. Trustworthy is the second most associated attribute they have with Target. I'm just going to let that one just set, simmer, feel it out. Trust. Very, very important. And that's also where sustainability, missions, values starts to come back. All right, back on more specifically sustainable stories we've seen this week. We've got two more stories around sustainability and values. Best Buy has launched a new nationwide program that allows customers to recycle their old electronics by mail with prepaid boxes. Get rid of your old flip phones. Get rid of your old iPhones. Oh, this is crazy for, I think, a lot of millennials who, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I have every single Apple box, accessory, piece of paper they've ever sent me because I remember at one point I had an issue with an iPhone and because I didn't have the box, they would not help me. So millennials, maybe we can throw away our Apple boxes. But I do like this program and I love that it's prepaid boxes. So definitely check this out. I will link to the article where you can read more about it. Lastly, one of my favorite stores, always doing just the best of the best. Another brand favorite from Gen Z and millennials and boomers. They have completely crossed generations and served so many people. REI announced that they are committing to source locally generated renewable energy across every single retail store. Now, I know those words kind of mean nothing, but essentially what this means Last week, they announced plans to source locally generated renewable energy for all 181 stores to increase community access where its stores are located. So they're doing this like go local to go global kind of strategy with sustainability and with showing up with the values that their consumers want to see from them and believe from them. All right. Last little bit. Let's hit some fun news, right? Big Dairy is going after Gen Z. Big Dairy is going after Gen Z. I find this so funny based on the number of memes I see about, oh, this is why all millennials have lactose intolerance. We all sat down at the table and had to choke down a whole glass of milk every night because our parents were convinced our bones would turn to dust if we didn't. Funny thing, a year ago, I predicted that Big Dairy was gearing up for a comeback. But who knows? They have worked with an influencer. They're trying to really bring the narrative back in a newer way. They're leaning into female athletes. They're leaning into chocolate milk as a great recovery drink. I'm not going to go into anything about nutrition here. What I think is most interesting about this is how is Big Dairy going to tie a value-based, trust-based consumer to their product when arguably there's a lot of practices in Big Dairy that I don't think Gen Z will be excited about when they see under the hood. Last note on this, I am one of the weirdos that came out of the 90s and early 2000s drinking milk every day at dinner and lunch and breakfast, and I still love milk. 
And if a doctor were to tell me I'm lactose intolerant, I don't care. A life is not worth living if I cannot have at least one glass of milk a day. Granted, I do drink lactose-free milk, so I don't know. But I'm weird. I like whole milk. I'll drink it all day long. I wouldn't live without it. All right, next story. The barcode is turning 50. Cool. The barcode. Been around for 50 years. Nothing super exciting about this, obviously, but just interesting. Like the QR code had a moment. The QR code was new a couple of years ago, but the barcode turning 50. I find this fact really interesting. The very first barcode that was ever slid across a checkout and scanned was in 1974 outside of Troy, Ohio. And first item was a 10-pack bag of Wrigley's Juicy Fruit Chewing Gum. A dollar and 39 cents. Okay, last piece of news. Favorite news I've seen all week. Came home from dropping my dog off at the vet. I was driving home and played my 2000s Emotions playlist, which includes every band you can immediately think of in there. Paramore, Fall Out Boy, Third Eyed Blind, Lit, Nirvana, all the things. Got back, came into my house. News was on the TV. CBS Mornings. The story that was on was emo music is making a comeback. Oh, it made me so happy to see on a nationally televised news channel that emo music is making a return and Gen Z is loving it. And Demi Lovato was quoted saying, this generation just needs it. This generation has so many emotions. My only question is, did it ever leave? Because just about every millennial that I've talked to still listening to the music we listened to in middle school and high school. So maybe it never left. It definitely never left. But I am excited that I get to talk about my emo alternative music as much as I want now because it's back, baby. All right, guys, that was another episode of the recap with KLF. I hope you enjoyed it. Lots of different things we're talking about. Lots of interesting things kind of moving and shaking in our industry right now. If you have any news that you want me to cover, or if you want to tell me about how gross my love of milk is, or if you want to get access to my 2000s emotions playlist, hit me up on Twitter at KD LaFrance, spelled just like it sounds. All right, guys, on that note, I love pineapple on my pizza. Come yell at me about it, please. Let's have an argument. Otherwise, I am excited to chat with you guys next week about some more stories. We'll see you then.